0: Welcome to the Meet Me Downstairs podcast. I'm your host, Britt, and I'm here to bring you some real ass conversations about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mother, what it means to really just live in this world in female skin and feel empowered and educated and connected to our bodies. So the type of conversations that you're going to hear are going to be with a mixture of experts in the field of female existence and also real women, real men mothers just wanting to share a window into their world so that we can connect better remember you're never alone your sisters are right here on the other end of your speaker and you can always message us to connect deeper so get ready to learn about yourself to love yourself and just embrace this experience popping your headphones turn up you'll speak loud and let's do the damn thing Welcome back to the pod. Meet me downstairs, the podcast that is dedicated to honoring the woman within the mother and the woman within ourselves, mother or not. And today's episode, we are talking about birth. Well, it's another birth story. So we're talking with a mom, Steph Nag. She's from Barbados and she shares her birth story for her twin baby girls. I loved talking to her. She's so cute, so funny, and it's just cool to hear about a twin birth. So buckle in, enjoy this episode, and also if you feel like giving this podcast a little five-star rating and even a review, that would mean the world. So just hop on over to Apple Podcasts and give us maybe five stars. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for the support and enjoy this episode. Hey, Steph. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm super happy to kind of get into your birth story. It's a unique one being twins. So far, the only one who's going to be sharing us a twin story. So I'm very much excited for that. Um, And I'll guess I'll just let you to, you know, give us give us the give us the juice. You can tell us a bit about your pregnancy and then go from there. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, thanks
1: so much, Britt, for having me. Honestly, I will like to begin by saying that this podcast was really helpful during my pregnancy. Um, As a first-time mom, you know, there's just so much anxiety with um, what to expect and specifically around the birth itself. I just found it was really helpful to hear of other people's experiences and challenges with regards to even breastfeeding and stuff like that. So I know you had an episode about that. That was really nice to hear um, and kind of started to get me a little prepared. I'm, I'm a huge researcher, everything down to like, from the very beginning, I just wanted to know it all. So, and with regards to other people's experiences, I was like, please don't hold back. Give me the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to know it all. Yeah. I, I would say that my pregnancy overall for having twins, I think I got very lucky. I just know that there are going to be some people out there. Some moms are going to be like, yeah, Um, I'm pretty envious of her because I will say apart from pretty much carrying quite large, (laughs) given that there were two in there, um, I did pretty well right up to about 30, 32, 33 weeks was where I started to struggle um, with like the, the discomfort and stuff like that. But I didn't have too much nausea in the beginning. Um, and I actually really enjoyed being pregnant. <laughs> Sorry, moms, I know you probably hate me for that. But I really did. And I'm actually very envious of a lot of others who are pregnant right now. Oh, um, you're so
0: cute. I, love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I look at them and I go, Oh, I just miss it, you know, and but yeah, so I guess we, when we talk about my, my birth story, I guess we could start with what the birth plan maybe was. I was kind of hoping to have a vaginal delivery. And although I was being told, you know, if you have twins, it's very likely that you would have a C-section. Um, I even had people saying, oh yes, no, you're definitely having a C-section. I said, well, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind, you know. Um, I wanted to Potentially go down the road. I didn't want to just write it off completely and say, "Yeah, let's sign me up for a C-section because I'm having twins." Let's just kind of progress and see how it goes. And my um, my OB was very trying to to remind me <laughs> that it was a high risk pregnancy and that that obviously a C-section was possible. Um, so he was trying to keep me very open minded, and I appreciate that. and I was open-minded. I didn't want to pin myself down to any one thing. Keeping an open mind was very important throughout my, my whole pregnancy. I didn't know what was going to happen. Birth is very unpredictable. So I will say that while I was planning to have the, um, vaginal delivery with, of course, an epidural, because I was like, no way am I going to (laughs) be able to handle that pain. I I even scheduled, I I made sure to talk to my anesthesiologist. I was like, right, so let's get it down to the nitty gritty. I was very (laughs) prepared. Should anything happen? Yeah, I would say that was my hope. And it was looking very positive right down to when I was 30, 35 weeks, I think it was. I had my final visit with my OB and both girls were head down and so that's very positive and especially baby A. Baby A is very important to be head down and that was like okay great. So even he seemed to seem a little positive that we could actually deliver these girls vaginally. How exciting. So I would have had that appointment with him on the Thursday I believe and the girls were born the Monday.
0: Okay so pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they came a little early. It came 36 weeks on the nail. Right. We actually had, a, I guess, I like as a little sidebar, and just about just 34 weeks and a few days, I actually had to be admitted to QEH um, for observation. We'll say that that was a bit scary because we actually thought this could be it. It was right. a Saturday. I remember... Talking to my OB and saying, Hey, so I think I might have lost my mucus plug. I don't know. Just want to just confirm, you know, is there anything I should or shouldn't be doing? And he said, Oh, yeah, yeah, just um avoid the beach, you know, and um, going in the pool and that sort of stuff. I was like, cool. And he says, So um, but do you have any cramps associated with this? I said, you know what? Actually, I kind of do. So <laughs> he's like, Well, you know what, just to be on the safe side given that it is twins in particular, everything was a little bit more cautious. He's like, yeah, I just want you to go to the hospital. Let's do an ultrasound and let's just make sure everything is okay. I asked him, do we need to carry the bags? Like what, what's, is this just a check? He's like, you know what, just bring them just in case. you got to be sure you have everything you're prepared. So, I mean, thankfully everyone that I spoke to were always like, you need to have the bags packed by X amount of time. Yes. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I, I did listen to them eventually. And I packed, we had the bags pretty much packed. So it was just a matter of just putting those few essentials. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I was not thinking that this is going to be it. So, but you just never know. So we got the bags packed. We got in the car, we went to the hospital and my OB was just checking that everything's good. Said, great. Um, no babies coming today. And I said, "Awesome!" Now we're in the labor ward, and this is all a new experience for me because I've never been there as a first time. I am hearing some screams <laughs> from this this ward, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. So this is um, this is interesting." I started to panic So I was like, "This is, this is going to be intense." Like I was getting almost a preview into what birth could be like, and. I was petrified. <laughs> I, I will tell you that I think I literally must have put my um, anesthesiologist on speed dial like right there. Like, yeah, let, let's get this appointment. Like us talk. the this. epidural. <laughs> yes, I'm so pro epidural. This is happening. While all that's happening and he's just doing a quick exam and everything is looking good, all of a sudden I was starting to feel what apparently, was contractions, mild contractions, mind you. And I was like, no, 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 what's going on here? So, of course, hooks me up to all the fetal monitor. I have to have two fetal monitors for the girls each. And then I I had a monitor as well for the contractions. And he confirmed, yes, I was having mild contractions. And I was like, well, what does this mean? Like, just, what's things happening, you know? And anyway, it turned out, long story short, it turned out that um, all was fine and babies were not born that day. (laughs) So we were able to go home two days later. They just kept me for observation. And I think that would have been the Monday I was discharged from the hospital. The following Monday, the girls would have been born. So yeah, so that's my little side note. So the actual day. The actual day my girls were born, Chelsea and Mila, the 28th of September. It was about midday and I was starting to feel, I would say, like, just uncomfortable cramps with, with back pain. 36 weeks pregnant with twins, back pain, it's kind of, it comes with the territory. So I'm not thinking anything of it and I'm just carrying on and we're in the car on our way home and it's starting to get more uncomfortable and I'm just like, meh, you know just chalking it up to just pregnancy symptoms, get home, just kind of thought, you know, this is going to pass probably closer to four o'clock in the afternoon when I then started to feel these getting more and more intense and something had finally clued in. Maybe this is actually early labor. Maybe I'm actually having contractions. And you would think for someone who was in the hospital for mild contractions, would have studied it. But I guess, you know, <laughs> pregnancy brain and all. And it just started to just really get more and more intense. I remember my partner was watching football and he would check in with me. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, you know, I I, I think everything's still okay. I think everything's okay. But, um, you know, so he just continued watching his, his football. And then there was a moment where I started to kind of have, all right, let's get the bags at the door. Let's get everybody fed. We have two dogs and, and a cat. So I was like, go feed the animals, get the bags at the door. We need to just be ready. Like, but I was still unsure how much longer I had, you know, like, is this actually happening or is this what they call like the, the Braxton Hicks contractions? I just didn't know. Cause I was thinking, it might still be too early. And then I also have heard from many people that labor can last a really long time. So you can start getting these pains and you don't give birth for days after. So I wasn't thinking that we need to make our way to the hospital. I was just thinking, let's just be prepared. Let's have it there. Let's be ready. And then it it really got intense. And I told him, I said, I I, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I need to get to the hospital. I need those drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so he he picked up the phone. He called and... Um, He had told them, the doctor, where we were at. Um, Contractions, I think, were about maybe like seven or eight minutes apart at this point. And he's like, yep, she's calling for the drugs. So (laughs) loaded up the car and the rain is pouring. And I thought, okay, you know, no problem. I was so distracted, to be honest. got in the car and we're driving through. He's trying to drive slow because he doesn't want to like get into the bumps and everything of like that. And I'm just like, let's get to the hospital, almost to the hospital. And there's flooding on the road and all these cars are turning around and we have to now divert. Oh my gosh. I, I felt at that point, I, I was sure that a baby was crowning. At I, I was like, what is happening? Why? why I, I swear I could see the hospital there, but we had to detour. We got there now. It's still pouring with rain. He um, let me out, and I kind of made my way to find somebody. And he went to park and then joined me up shortly. Got inside now. They said, all right, well, let's let's see where we're at. Got me onto the, the bed to do a gentle internal. She's about eight or nine centimeters <laughs> dilated. We need to get this woman to the labor ward immediately. So they put me on the gurney, and we race down the hallway and into the labor ward we we go again feeling also familiar with this place but this time everything was happening so quickly for me i will say that this is now where things got blurry so we're in the labor ward now and people are starting to pile in it's twins so therefore it's double the Mm -hmm. people basically everybody's there to monitor me to monitor the girls and it's all hands on deck and it was a small room given to that it um, was raining so heavenly heavily they had to close the um, the windows so in there started to get pretty warm pretty quickly not long after things started to get going i i remember just like shouting at somebody to please cut this dress off of me i was so hot i just wanted to be just like full on just take it off let's let's yeah. get down to this
0: um, oh i'll just say as well for those who are listening this is a barbadian birth uh, in a, ho- in a, in a local hospital that doesn't have air condition. So just like to paint the picture for you, it's a Caribbean Island, windows closed because the rain is pouring and no AC. <laughs> Please continue Steph.
1: Oh, and then because it's COVID, everyone's wearing masks, oh, um, right, including, um, my partner. So that's, made things interesting. Luckily, of course, I didn't have to wear a mask because that I think that would have made me pass out. No. So things started to progress and I was getting really panicked because I was like eight or nine centimeters. I'm like, I haven't done that much research, but I mean, that's, we're we're getting very close to this. This can happen very soon. This means I I get to see them very soon. So I think we would have been at the hospital, probably around seven-ish, probably got into the Labor ward around maybe 7 30. I was just like looking around, going, okay, so I'm in here. Where is my doctor? Where is my OB? Yeah, I'm not giving birth to these girls without him here. Like it's not happening. um So in position, and he finally arrives, and I was just like, oh, I just feel like a moment of relief just came over me. I said, right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'm now ready to push. I'm ready to think. So he's like, okay, now hold on, hold on. um, It's it's interesting because, I mean, you see in the movies how birth happens. Obviously, that's your only gauge unless you do, like, further research. And I didn't realize that it's a little Dexter thing going on where the plastic goes down and there's, like, there's a lot more complications (laughs) with it. I was just like, "What, what is going on? They're putting plastic down? I mean, I don't know if this was your experience, but they put plastic they had underneath like I don't even know if the bed had on sheets like I it, it just all happened so fast and I just felt like this is weird um plastic over my legs plastic underneath and you know you're on the bed where you have the you have your feet up and obviously you have the thing to grip and he he looks at me and he's like right okay so you're having contractions you're you know of course he does a gentle internal as well and that's fun and he, he then says, all right, well, you're nine centimeters dilated, but your um, water hasn't broken. So I'm going to have to do that for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I remember one or two people telling me, you know, oh, that's, that's an awful experience. Honestly, I just felt the gush of water and then the intensity. All of a sudden, whatever I thought was, was discomfort associated with those contractions had just ramped up. Mm-hmm. um so we're like okay so things are really moving fast and I'm like okay so yeah where's my anesthesiologist where's my epidural because you know and they're like yeah and there's no time for that and I'm like, excuse me what now I was like no no no, I can't do this without an epidural I was like nope um you you are going to give birth to these babies like like now so he's like what would you like to do like do you do you want to hold it like <laughs> you don't have an option here The, there's a little side note too, is the anesthesiologist is actually a close friend of mine. We ended up having her come down anyway. And while I don't think my doctor told me this, I feel like he wanted her to be there just in case things did progress in a different Mm -hmm. direction. Um, So he jokingly said, yeah, you know, call her out, bring her out of her cozy bed in this pouring rain, Um, tell her to pass for some coffees on her way and this, that, the next. And She did make it. I was pushing, I was, and and I was doing everything and I was feeling, why is this still going on? Why have we not gotten any further? And
0: how long were you pushing?
1: It it is a blur. So I would say that if everything kind of like started probably around eight, maybe even 8.30, when things really progressed, um, we ended up delivering the girls at 10.30 um, via C-section. Right. So We actually had to switch to an emergency C-section and I'll go into detail on how that happened because I was pushing and, but we ran into a little problem with um, baby A. She, I remember him telling me, you know, I can see her head, you know, I can see her hair. And I was so excited because I was thinking, great, we're going to be over this soon. And he told me, of course, a a technical word that I do not recall now nor can I pronounce, but her head, while at first we were seeing the top of her head, think while I was pushing, baby B was pushing back um, and causing her sister's head to actually turn slightly so that he was seeing her ear versus the top of her head. Mm. And that's not ideal, but does not mean that you can't not, deliver that way it just means that you have to be a little bit more creative so I remember him telling me you're gonna have to um, when you push I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna turn her head and then try to see if she will you know everything will kind of focus back and Mm -hmm. and we can get back to where we were but each time that he turned her head then baby B was saying, no, I'm ready to come too. So mm-hmm. she was pushing back. Um, my blood pressure was really high. And they kept on telling me the, the only way to deal with this is you have to deliver. We have to deliver. And in that moment, I knew where this was going. Mm-hmm. And I was very okay with that decision because I knew it was the right thing. He did look at me and he said, look, we have one or two options. We can either get the forceps out or we can do a C-section. And I didn't even bat. And I I was like, yep, scrub me up. Let's do this. So my anesthesiologist was actually there already. She was in the room in the delivery room with me. And she was fantastic because she was actually coaching me through every contraction, every push. She was helping me breathe through it. She was she was almost like a little doula for me. Yeah, she um, was your doula. She was my doula without even realizing. So she was, she was fantastic. Um, and as I said, she she's a close friend of mine, and and I knew that I wanted her to be a part of my my birth in whatever shape or form it was going to be. I wanted her to be there. Um, and just to go back, is that because it's COVID? Um, there's so many different. Well, there's restrictions and protocols in place, so my idea was I would have liked maybe my mom to be there with me mm-hmm. during the delivery. Obviously, you want to have the father of your children or child, my in my case, children, to be there. Um, but there's something about having another woman who's been through it, mm-hmm. um, somebody who you're very close to. And since obviously I couldn't have that option, she was kind of the next best thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she had the drugs. (laughs) That was very important. But sadly, I couldn't use those. We did power through, I would say probably a good two hours of active labor Mm -hmm. um, before the decision was made to, I mean, we had to, to do what we had to do. So that was interesting, because I will say that during the whole labor process, I know that some people say it's it's really painful um and i think a part of being so distracted of what you're doing you don't focus as much on the pain as I like i actually realized after going through it that okay that was not as bad granted okay for those that have delivered vaginally and um, with no medication I know I didn't get to the point of actually delivering the baby. So I don't know if I have any leg to stand on here. But my experience with the contractions itself, like once things got going, once I was like focused on what I was doing with my breathing, I I found like I was distracted mm-hmm. and didn't focus as much on the pain as the end result. Yeah. Um, and that really helped push me through. So while in the beginning, as I said, my my birth plan was, I want an epidural yeah. like give me the pain medication. I think I'm a wuss. I don't think I'm going to be able to handle this, but being in that situation, I realized I could in fact handle it. Um, I did for a period of time. So I will say that for those that were like me, maybe give it a go. You know, I'm not saying like always have that in your back pocket. I think it's important to always have options available to you. Um, Let's see if you can manage it. So we, um, right? So no, she was she was fantastic and coached me through it, and I think that really made such a difference um, to have somebody there to help you really ride the wave of yeah. each contraction.
0: Um, Shout out I, to doulas for sure.
1: Yes, and yeah. I understand you're a doula as well.
0: Yes, but even like for me. Um, well I go into my birth story on a separate episode but my dad ended up being my doula but like you uh, unexpectedly yeah but um, having that person there that is slightly removed from the situation makes the world of a difference because your partner is birthing too like this is brand new for them oh yeah so having that extra person there to support you and help you focus on your breath and like focus on what's going on in your body it's just like a game changer So even if you can't afford a doula or whatever, but you have a a friend or a family member that can step in and sort of like help you like 100%.
1: That really made a difference. And actually, even my partner said he saw a difference in me the moment she arrived. And at this point, we knew that the epidural is. So it wasn't to say that I was relieved because I was like, ah, the drugs are here. Mm -hmm. It was she walked into the room. And I said, right, I now have somebody who has been down this road and knows what what to do basically because and someone that you trust. Yeah. Not a
0: nurse, like you know the you know this person.
1: And actually trusting your team, you know, your OB pediatrician, all of that is so crucial. That Mm -hmm. is very, very important to have full trust in who are delivering your baby. Yeah. So because I had the preeclampsia, and then baby A's head position was not agreeing, we needed to to switch. So that made it interesting, because now I'm in full labor, Mm -hmm. and contractions are intense. Now they're telling me, don't push. Don't push, because my anesthesiologist has gone to get scrubbed in. And everybody's now clearing the room, getting it organized. I will tell you, like it was like a SWAT team mm. to get me now to the operating theater. Not, having, not being able to push when all you have is that urge to push mm-hmm. and you have been pushing for the last two or so hours, that was hard.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. It's going against your instinct.
1: Yeah, and I, I do actually think the contractions got more intense at that point because now I was not riding those waves. Mm-hmm. I was not doing what, um, my, well, I'll call her my doula Mm -hmm. was, um, was coaching me to do. Um, I was having to do the opposite and it's, it's not natural, but it was not for long. And once we got into the operating theater, um, it did feel like it was took a while, you know, everything is so procedural for reason, obviously. And I felt like, okay, let's get this going. Let's get this going. So while I didn't have an epidural, I then turned out to have a spinal and I still needed my anesthesiologist in the mm-hmm. end. And I've heard a lot of people having bad experiences, mine effortless. I, I don't even remember the pain mm-hmm. or think of the actual injection. I remember she told me to just like lean over and yeah. I was fully covered with like a heated blanket. It actually felt like they were pushing warm air because I I imagine that the room is quite cool.
0: Yeah, and the um, anesthesia makes you cold.
1: And yeah, so that that was the weird feeling that you get is you actually have little shakes. So yeah. I felt like my whole body was just shaking um, because you don't have that feeling now from from I guess maybe your chest, waist like chest down, down or chest down. Um, and so it's just like arms were extended, like as if I was. Um,
0: like, like a T and a cross
1: yes mm-hmm. um and i had this blanket over me and i was still aware of everything but i will say there was like a sensation now of you you don't feel a lot of yourself so you kind of re- like it was like a relaxing <laughs> sort of Ah, I'm a little on cloud nine, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's not the point of it. I think that was just my my experience where I just kind of felt like, ooh, yes, so we're in this room and there's some pretty lights. And <laughs> <laughs> then once they had me all prepped and ready, the dad to be was scrubbed in, and he joined us shortly after that. Um, our girls were born at ten thirty. Well, I think it was like ten twenty eight, ten thirty so two minutes apart. Um, right.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course. You're not pushing, so.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so first baby comes out and, you know, get to see her over the curtain. Um, and gosh, she was covered in gunk and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I just was like instantly in love, that that feeling of seeing the first. But then there was this excitement, you know what I mean? There's another one coming, you know? I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. There's my baby girl. And Even watching over the video of when they were born, the way I sounded, I was so almost sounded loopy, but I was so aware of of everything that was happening. I was watching, I'm sure some people might be disturbed by this, but because of the lights um, in the operating theater, they had uh, like a reflection. I could see them actually come out. It's kind
0: of cool, though, if you're okay with that. If you're, okay if you're interested that, in that. Yeah. If you're
1: not, just don't. Look at the lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before baby B was born, I said on the video, because we rewatched it recently, too, to just, like, trigger my memory on this, I said, another one's coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: in, like, the most loopiest voice, like, like as if, I, I, I don't know what I thought was coming out of me, but I was just so beyond... Happy to see them, but it was a weird feeling too because I couldn't embrace them. I was underneath this blanket. I was looking at them. I could hang- and they cleaned them up and brought each of them to me, and I was able to give them a kind of an awkward kiss because they brought them to the side of my face, and I was just like. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then they were taken away because that room was obviously way too cold for them and they were taken away to um get all well they they weighed them and everything in that room and then they took them to get all cleaned up and dad went um to help the nurses get them dressed and everything and I had to stay and get uh, sewn up and honestly I just remember the all I kept on asking was can we you know get this moving Mm because i I really, really just want to see my girls. Like, that's Mm -hmm. all I was like, when can I see my girls? When can I see my girls?
0: That must be so strange, you know, like you just kind of wait and wait and wait for nine months to that point. You do everything you can to push them out and then they're kind of taken from you.
1: Yeah. And because they were born late that night, I actually didn't see them again until I came out of recovery the following morning at nine o'clock. Yeah. So I didn't sleep a wink in the recovery room. Because all I was thinking about was them and how they. So were how doing. come they
0: weren't able to come to you in recovery?
1: Recovery is also very cold for them. Mm. So um, I know sometimes people have made provisions for, like you know, for mom to see when she's in recovery, just for a brief time um, to hold and that sort of stuff. But I don't know if it was because it was twins; um, they needed extra observation. I don't know if it was because it was COVID um, and they had just different protocols, but uh, they didn't bring them into the recovery room. Maybe it was just too late at night and I didn't get to see them until the following morning. So,
0: And your recovery from the C-section was fine, like going home and stuff?
1: Yeah. Well, as I said, I had the preeclampsia so that I had to still monitor my blood pressure um, and I had like major swelling after and I was on a lot of medication. So if the girls were born on the Monday. I was discharged from the hospital the Thursday. I was still obviously on a lot of medication when I got home. It, it took a good, probably a good week to kind of come back to myself, not from the actual C-section like that. That has its own challenges. Um, I would say that probably for me, the recovery was just like just being on the medication and mm-hmm. just being so tired and and that sort of stuff. But I was I was moving around and I felt pretty good not long after. Obviously the first couple of days they don't want you to move, you know, and they they want to take your time and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was just a lot of it is really a blur. When I when I said to you, yeah, let's have this let's have this talk, let, let me share my story. I was like, "Whoa, there's so many details that you forget." I started to really sit down and type it all up and I feel like I then went to the other extreme and I was like, "No, people are not going to want to know about every little detail stuff, like how much you ate before you went. It's (laughs) like,
0: like, that's important to me. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, it sounds like it was a pretty positive birth. Well, that's
1: what I wanted to end off with, mm -hmm. is that while it was not what I had originally hoped for, I would say the planned, my hope was um, to deliver them as naturally Badger, yeah. as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that I'm upset that it didn't happen that way because at the end of the day they're healthy. Yeah. Um and and I got to meet them. So it is what it is. And I just want to stress to people how important it is to to not really focus on a birth plan and be so structured because birth is nothing but structure Yeah. Or nothing. Um, but not,
0: it's not, you can't plan it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, there's so, no,
0: it has its own, it's going to come out how it's going to come out. We have zero control in birth. Well, that's
1: exactly <laughs> it. You need yeah. to let go of control. And mm-hmm.
0: that's,
1: for me, I, I am very much a person who likes to be in control. Yeah. And, and that was something that I kept on reminding myself. If there's one thing that you can't control, is when these girls arrive, how they come into this world. And that's kind of why I wanted to have this conversation with you and share my story because it just goes to show that even if it doesn't happen exactly the way you planned it to, that it can still be a positive experience. All birth is beautiful. And i wanting people to kind of take away from my experiences that don't hold on to your birth plan.
0: Yeah, really relinquish control.
1: Yeah, so that would be my... Only your takeaway, little, yes, hopefully, um, and to really trust your instincts and the team that you have chosen to deliver your baby.
0: To, to trust your instincts, also in the opposite side too, if you need to, because yes. sometimes it can go the other way, yes. where they're looking for whatever reason it is an easier way out or or whatever. And your instincts are telling you something different. So just trusting your instincts, I think is a good takeaway to just feel, listen out in your gut, like what you feel is right. And then of course, yes, trust your team, relinquish control. There's just so many things to birth, you know, it's such a whirlwind ride and you kind of just have to hop on. There's no exit. A
1: whirlwind that I'm so grateful to have been able to experience um, and experience almost two sides of it.
0: Lovely. Well, I'm just so grateful for you to like take, you know, take some space and time to do this with us. And yes, I'm just very grateful for your time and grateful for your girls that you were able to offer us this story. So thank you to them. Thank you so much for listening in. As always, if you enjoyed, leave us a review. It really supports our channel and it helps it to grow and let other people who might be interested in this stuff find us. And then also please just share it, subscribe, um, love it, whatever it is that you guys do to keep supporting. We appreciate it so much and we will chat on the next episode.